0: You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum, and uh, you're listening to Barrel of a Gun, uh, one of the songs on the Sunspin album. That's available everywhere. iTunes, Spotify, Amazon. You can go to sunspin.com and pick up cool, sweet merch. Barrel of a Gun. It's one of my favorites on the album. Hi, guys. How are you? Ryan?
1: That was a gun noise. I, we, we I
0: was. It scared me. I was frightened. Uh, we did something fun. The other night? We did. We went to, uh, I rented a theater out. Uh, You could do that so it's safe and everybody wore masks and there was 20 of it. Well, it was probably like 15 of us and we saw Back to the Future at a private theater. I hadn't been to a theater. I I didn't realize how much I loved the theater or the theater. The theater? Until I was there.
1: With an E at the end. It was really fun and Back to the Future was so good and I hadn't seen it in a while. I think the last time I saw Back to the Future was also in a theater for like the 25th anniversary, which would have been 10 years ago. Wow. And yeah.
0: you loved it just as much? Yeah.
1: It's it's one that you have to see in a theater.
0: You have to see it in a the theater. It was really a good time. I will say that. So, you know, there are some the light at the end of the tunnel. It's uh we had a good time. It was nice to be with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I told everybody to get there 15 minutes early and I was late because uh, well, I was at the wrong theater. So there you have it. Um, thanks for coming to the stage it guys. It means the world to me. Uh every last Saturday of the month I do a stage it with Rob, our band Sunspin and we play music. We had prizes and Zooms and all that stuff. And it was just a, a really good time. Great turnout. And uh, I just want to say thank you, everybody, for the support and love. And uh, hope you had fun. I hope you had a good time. Um, if you uh, the most important thing here is uh, subscribing to the podcast. If you're here for Kiefer Sutherland and Jason Patrick, well, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. But if you want to help this little podcast that could tell them where they can go, Ryan
1: uh you you, can go to (laughs) hell (laughs) you can go fuck yourself go to fuck (laughs) osville no and uh no you can go to yeah uh apple podcast spotify uh you can go follow on the twitter inside of you pod pod uh and uh, instagram facebook inside of you podcast that's correct and they can subscribe on youtube
0: Go yep. to YouTube,
1: YouTube, uh, YouTube.com slash inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum, the whole thing. If you want to watch it. So, uh, that would be great. So
0: yeah, head over to YouTube, subscribed or listen to Apple on your way to work. Uh, the podcasts aren't that long. They're about an hour or so, you know, your way to work, maybe your way back, but you're not going to listen to three hour podcast, which takes you three days to listen to. This is easy and fun and you're going to learn a lot. I hope. Uh, but I really appreciate you guys listening. Big shout out to all my patrons. Um, also, if you want any Inside of You merch, Lex Luthor stuff, Smallville lunchboxes, Inside of You hats, uh, new trucker hats are here. Black trucker hats that are just awesome. Tumblers, bunch of stuff. Go to the Inside of You online store. And how about discount disco discount code? <laughs> Let's do uh, Ryan's di- Ryan. <laughs> no Ryan's discount. What do you think I was going to say, you pervert? <laughs> uh-huh. Ryan's discount fifteen. For fifteen percent off everything inside uh-huh. of your online store, get that because it's only going to be for a couple of days.
1: Ryan's is there an apostrophe? No, no
0: apostrophe. Mm-hmm.
1: Ryan's Ryan's discount, discount fifteen. Mm-hmm. Can you remember that? Ryan's discount fifteen.
0: You know, it's been uh, it's been a couple of weeks now since since my pup passed, Irv, mm-hmm. and uh, people are like, "How you doing?" And they're always asking me. It was it's just a beautiful thing how folks have been just sending me all these messages and it's you know some days are tough when i really start to think about it when i'm not busy it's it's always about distracting yourself but also you have to feel it you Mm -hmm. have to feel the love and feel how much you loved him and you know i definitely Mm -hmm. get those moments and i I have his um, collar that i put a little shrine Mm -hmm. for irv uh in the living room and um and so it's been cool people have been uh awesome so I, i thank you guys immensely for that um Cool stuff going on, man. You know, me and Welling, um, I'm not going to say anything, but you know, we're working on a project together. Hopefully that will happen. Cool. But But uh, I'm sure a lot of folks would like to see us together again doing something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Just been uh, been writing and trying to pitch shows and come up with ideas and do things and um, doing the podcast and trying to get people to join Patreon and uh, listen to the podcast. What have you been doing,
1: bud? Editing the fucking podcast. <laughs> the fucking
0: podcast. <laughs> well, you know, this week's really... I thought this was really great to get Kiefer Sutherland and Jason Patrick over here. And they both have, you know, they come from Hollywood royalty. I mean, Jason's dad was the the priest, the head priest in uh, mm-hmm. J- Jason Miller and Exorcist. He, he, just brilliant. And um, won a Pulitzer for uh, that championship season. Oh, yeah. Championship season, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the, the, the play. The play. And just, uh, you know, and of course, Kiefer Sutherland's dad, Donald Sutherland. And just...
1: Uh, Two
0: amazing guys, and they, they were really, uh, they gave a lot of insight into this world. And we talked Lost Boys, we talked about family, we talked about a lot of stuff. So I think you're going to really enjoy this. So without further ado, why don't we get inside Kiefer Sutherland and Jason Patrick. It's my point of view, you're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. inside of you with michael rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience did you, you guys met obviously in lost boys right we
2: did yeah did you meet like in how did you meet do you remember the day you met I, I don't specifically remember the day i know it was up in we shot the film in two places we shot it in los angeles and we shot it in santa cruz in the very very beginning and and in santa cruz it felt very disjointed uh there were two units uh it didn't feel as cohesive an experience for me at least uh when we got back to los angeles so i know kind of when i met jason it was like hi this is jason he's playing da 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 -da." and it's like hello and here's your mark and hey well nice really nice meeting you man i'm I'm, I'm thrilled to be working with you okay and look over there and okay rolling just like that it was kind of like that and I remember we became... (laughs) He's looking at like, well, I remember it a little differently. You remember that?
3: Well, he's right in that it was disjointed, and it really probably was just a handshake hello. But I do remember that I actually had my birthday up there because my birthday is on June 17th, and I turned 20. And they would made me a cake. uh, I guess it was me on a motorcycle or something like that. And everyone said happy birthday and all that, and I specifically remember Kiefer coming up and taking the knife and just cutting my head off for his piece of the cake. <laughs> taking a walk away. Now that was before we worked together. And then the first day that we actually Perfect. worked together is the first day those characters meet in the film. Yeah. That night yeah. on the motorcycles. Yeah. Did you hit it off right away or was
0: there you know, there's always that thing, I hope this guy's fucking cool. I hope he's not a hothead. The end he of that, just...
3: By the end of that night, I think
2: Yeah, I think question. so too. I mean by I was the end of that night. I really appreciated the fact when I first read the script of Lost Boys, um, You know, I came from the world of get whatever job you can and just deal with it later. Right. Uh but Lost Boys was written for much younger characters. Uh they weren't supposed to be in their twenties. They were all supposed to be kind of Peter Panish, 13, 12, 13 year olds. And and Joel had made the change that he wanted it to be kind of twenty, kind of early twenties and and stuff like that. And so a lot of the dialogue had to change. And I really appreciated how seriously jason took it you know that that he was there to try and make the best film he could this wasn't i need this much money to get me to my next job this was how how do we make this really cool and special and so he did a lot of you know joel schumacher who uh we both kind of love and adored but he did a lot of the battling with joel uh kind of on behalf of the rest of us to make the script what it ultimately became and 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 justifying certain actions for our characters et cetera, et cetera. and so i really appreciated that he took the lead on that and that he was kind of an adult serious actor uh because a lot of the stuff that i had done i'd done with very young people like right. stand by me was right. with 11 12 year olds who were amazing by the way and, yeah. and they were fantastic and you were young too i was 18 19 yeah yeah, yeah i was a year i was a year younger than jason and so you guys would get
0: uh, as a, as a collective, you and Amy, Amy Gertz, Jamie, 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 Jamie. Jamie Gertz. Yeah. Fuck me. I, you know, I make mistakes, but you guys would all get together and go this, 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 and you'd be the guy, the point man to sort of talk to Joel
3: about it. I think sometimes, but it was more that I spent a lot of time with Joel cause he tried to get me in the movie for a long time. And once we started going, cause I had a lot to do. It was always about the piece. Whoever else was in it. So if I felt that there was an issue that it wasn't quite working, it was more going to Jamie or going to Kiefer and say, "What do you feel about this or this?" I would never speak for them. And then, uh, then I would take the lead and go in there and say, "Look, you know." And I got to say, look, Lost Boys is Lost Boys because of Joel. Now I'm not, and when I say that, I mean he got the guy who shot Raging Bull and Taxi Driver, Michael Chapman. You know, that guy doesn't come off that and shoot teen vampire movies, but Joel got him. He got Bo Welch, who was an amazing production designer. Mm. And then he got all these actors. he get Diane Weest right off an Oscar, Ed Herman, Bernard Hughes, you know, and young guys like me and Kiefer. Um, so, and he would be open to those ideas and open to dialogue and to make it interesting and different. I think the reason the movie has lasted is because of that effort and because of the involvement of the people that he picked. And our relationship as adversaries grew. But as I said, after that first night, we were thick pals for the next. Did you guys yeah, go out a lot?
2: Did you party? We used to go out. They We'd did. go out for lunch in our makeup. You got to tell that story. We are we're sitting in Driving a-
3: Driving off the Warner Brothers lot in we, his convertible-
2: so Mustang. Mo- no, Porsche. And,
3: tell the story. And it's, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's was an old, it, wasn't a, it was
2: an old 1970 911 T. It was All an right. old, old Porsche. Um, and and we were in full vampire makeup, but we had we just couldn't have any more of the catering lunch. And we just wanted to go get a burger or something, and so we pulled out. Who's with you? Me, just, just me and Jason. Just to you. Yeah. In full right. vampire makeup. <laughs> and these girls pulled up. And I guess we'd Edelite. been we'd been wearing the makeup so long that we forgot it was on. Yeah,
3: we couldn't see it in each other.
2: And the <laughs> two girls in the car next to us, we were like, Hey, how you doing? And they just looked. At they it. did not appreciate it. It's, they called <laughs> us a variety of names and squealed out. Literally, the light turns
3: green. We're looking over as 19-year-olds in the Porsche and everything. And right when the light turned greens, they just look at us and say, pigs. Pigs, yeah. And drove right off.
0: Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That's a perfect day. It's a
3: perfect lunch.
2: Yeah. We laughed about it for a while. The look on their faces was worth a million bucks. Because then
3: we were silent. <laughs> what the hell was that, Because you didn't, man? didn't register. And then we're prior. looking at each other going... Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. And then I mean, a, look, it's a stupid question, but like I've been on projects where I go, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be a big, big piece of shit.
2: Did you think this is going to be big? Didn't have the experience to, to Did, know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I look back on that time and whether it was Lost Boys or Stand By Me or even Flatliners, which Joel sh- sh- directed as well. Those experiences kind of start to shape what you think when you're going through another experience, oh, this might have a shot. Uh, But it was such early days for me. I can't speak for Jason. But for me, it was such an early time that you you just did the best you could with the job and you were grateful to have the job. And uh, I had never experienced a huge hit. I don't think Stand By Me had come out before uh, Lost Boys started shooting. So... It didn't even cross my you mind. You just were having
0: fun as a kid. Yeah,
2: just and not even as a kid. I mean, I, I took it very seriously. I was living on my own and, uh, you know, um, it wasn't even as a kid. It was it was the beginning of what I knew the rest of my life was going to be, or at least I wanted it to be. And so that was really exciting.
0: All right. well, you, Jay?
3: Uh, you know, we were shooting for the sky. I know that. I know that I was determined um, to make the best. Uh, coming-of-age beach vampire movie ever made and uh honestly you have to understand that and you've made movies in the genre we had high level people as young as young men working with as i said michael chapman the sets um uh Susie, it was a perfect storm Susie Beck. yeah and look you know soundtracks weren't everywhere like they are today that lost boy soundtrack people still play um, oh, yeah. So it was a meshing of all these things. But once again, Joel's greatest strength as a director is seeing talent and not being intimidated by that. He welcomes it all in because he's going to create this collage and you have a big say in that collage. And as young, you know, man, that was only the second thing I'd ever done. Um, that's a lot of say to have. That's a lot of say. Yeah. In a big movie, in a big uh, studio movie,
0: And that's important, right? I mean, when somebody's helming the ship, it's it, if you see any cracks or he's nervous about or he can't, it it bleeds through, right? Mm-hmm. Have you felt that before? Like this guy doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. It's got to be the worst feeling as a director, but worse as an actor because you're like, we're gonna fall, we're gonna we're gonna fucking sink. Oh,
2: well, there's ways there's ways around it, and the trick is to try and be as helpful as you can when you you know when you realize that someone's inexperience uh is going to be problematic you know because there's some people that are inexperienced and find a new way you know and that's really exciting and cool Uh, but there's some people that don't they get lost uh and if you can help them out it's easier than complaining about it um but joel didn't joel joel was an incredibly confident guy uh and again had a sense of I think he had a sense of the future or what was coming down the line or how to be a part of it than most people. Uh, And whether you like those films or not, you know, when you can't argue with the fact that three of his films are arguably, uh, you know, benchmarks for 80s filmmaking.
0: Yeah. Have you guys ever been intimidated by another actor or a director? where you could actually feel that
2: intimidation i'm intimidated by jason daly <laughs> still is
0: I'm glad, why, he, I'm glad
2: he said it that's why i get his autograph i mean you've worked, with I some of the,
0: <laughs> you've worked with some of the biggest names i mean both of you i mean you've been around at your hollywood royalty i mean you're you know you're it's you got to think there's somewhere along the line where you're like you're i mean was it was a few good men with nicholson
2: was that it? that was great that was i mean it, that was the only time i've ever gone to work um And actually half our cast went into work on their day off because the only two people working that day were Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise. And I just sneak in the back of the courtroom set and I just want to see it. And then I look around and every other actor on the show and a couple others, I think Bruce Willis, uh, because he was with me and uh, yeah, it was the gallery was just full of people. And he did that in two takes the big one yeah you he can't the, handle the, the truth it was did, two takes he did the whole scene in two takes uh and he had such a great way of learning it he would record he would read it and record it on a tape and then he would just play the tape in his car forever until he had to go do the scene and and the dialogue he just memorized it it was it was a part of him and so when he went to go do that scene i mean he just blew the room away and Jesus. it was the first time I'd ever seen it. And Rob Reiner just said, well, there's nothing else we can do with that. Thank you very much. And he wrapped everybody early. Uh, and that I, whole speech. Yeah. You need me on that line. Yeah. You want me. That yeah. whole was one, two the, takes. The entire scene, Jesus. which has is, is got to be 15 to mm-hmm. 20 pages. Mm-hmm. It's the whole crescendo of the film. Did it in two takes. But you weren't intimidated by him. No, because he made a point. To make sure, I mean, I, I, I certainly knew who I was working with, <laughs> um, but he made such a gracious point of making sure I felt comfortable and welcome. And and uh JT Walsh was on that film, who has since passed. uh I was friends with him. He was great friends with Mister Nicholson, and so so yeah. I I I've, I've found that the people that I have worked with that are worthy of being intimidated are also really kind and go out of their way to make sure you feel comfortable so that you can do your best work with them.
0: Wow. Jason, what about you? I mean, you worked with Gene Hackman, didn't you?
3: Oh, I worked with Hackman. I worked with I mean, uh, Duvall.
0: Yeah. I mean, that those guys seem I'll like, Hackman sure. seems like he'd be difficult. He's one of my favorites, but he seems like he'd be like, you enough. know, he had a He's limited
3: uh, few days yeah. on Geronimo. And I got to say, like Keeper said, one of the first things he came up to me and said that he had seen a movie of mine or two of them, that he really liked, and that helped, and that helped out. Um, and but I don't, you know, I don't. That did help, but I, I, I was excited to work with people. Like it's like playing; you want to play with tennis with, with people that are good. And it was a similar situation that keeper said when I did Sleepers, because Hoffman and De Niro were in it, and they'd never acted together. Because you know this is back in '93 or '94, so of course everyone showed up, and it was in a courtroom. Mm-hmm. So in the same thing, everybody was in the gallery. And it was funny because Levinson was the director, Barry Levinson, and for the first few takes, it was almost like no one was acting. He sort of had to stop and then call them over and say, "So hey, okay, let's let's act." They were all right. everyone was underplaying everybody. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I, no, I liked it. Look, if the person in front of you, the more real they are, the more inventive they are that gives you better choices I mean, it, it, it's better to play off that it's better to reflect off that i've always felt that.
0: what do you what if you have an actor that you look up to that's just brilliant that is just like you're going this is fucking terrible this person's just fucking shitting the bed in front of me, and no that's one's saying That's exactly
3: work. what I felt when I did that that guest star on Smallville. <laughs> you're a because fuck because Lex Luthor had always been my
0: hero. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's had to happen where you're one of your icons, and the guy's like, and no one's giving direction. Like, this is not going to be
2: good. I, I, in all fairness, I, I, I'm not I'm not trying to be politically correct. I have not had that experience. Um, you know, I've, I think for me, over the course of my career. Sometimes maybe I've misjudged the quality of the material. <laughs> I think we <laughs> all have. <laughs> you know, I think, and th- and that's no one's fault but mine, right? Um, but the actors that I've worked with, uh, you know, not only have I been really lucky and fortunate to work with some incredible actors that everybody knows and that are huge icons and, and they were not disappointing. They were phenomenal at what they did. I've worked with day players that'll blow your hair back i mean that are really great um you know uh that's as exciting as anything it is
3: exciting because you're also never going to see those day players again yeah
2: and you you get in there with a a day player and you know every day you go to work i'm going to dance and to have a good dancing partner wow you know and it's it's, by
0: the way that's the hardest to be a day player and come on and not be like this is a family and all of a sudden you're stepping in and being great
2: yeah and and so experiences like 24 and designated survivor really allowed me to have that kind of moment with other actors a lot and i valued those moments as much as anything you know period uh and it was just like man this guy or this this woman is just kicking the shit out of what is maybe not a very great scene it's just kind of you know, get us to point A to point B. And yeah. and they nailed it and they killed it. And I've just, those are the moments that I remember that I really, really do love what I do.
0: Do you go out of your way sometimes to say, hey, I just want to say that was great. If I
2: see someone who does something that I think is great, I will, be the, I, I will do everything I can to make sure they know. And by the way, that goes far. I mean, people love hearing that shit. Well, if they've put the work in and you can see it, they deserve it, you know, and 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 so again you know my experience with actors has been pretty extraordinary and i've and i know i've been really lucky because i've sat at a bar more than once or twice and heard the stories of some of the crap that goes on i just haven't run into a whole lot of it right Mm. jay uh
3: i think i've been pretty lucky i mean i haven't worked as much through the years as kiefer because there's a while there where i would just be selective and every year every two years just not work so usually the projects I was involved in early on especially were stuff that I had a lot of say in. so uh I worked with the people I wanted to work with and um and I got to work with directors where once again I had a lot of input but I've definitely had difficulties i mean anyone would it's it's it it's a business filled with narcissists and vanity and I mean Keefer and I have been in it for thirty five years so there's mm. gonna be there's gonna be difficulties and there's gonna be things that I don't know, make it more difficult to get it up these days. For me. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Well, certainly <laughs> certainly working wise. I don't know. Keeper's different that way. He can get into a mode and and uh and really chug it out. But uh I in all honesty, I'd be a little more dispirited, I think. You
0: regret being more selective, being too selective at one point in your life?
3: Um, I don't regret it because uh it led to certain projects that I'm proud of. Do I think that selectivity has a, a, a respect and integrity that ended up working in my favor? Probably not. I mean, the business changed so much, it really became about uh, fame and how many titles you have and things like that. And I mean, I could remember even back, I mean, geez, I, I, when I did NARC, and, I mean, NARC was on a shoestring budget, there was nobody. And then Carnahan and, uh, and Leota. You know they met me, wanted me to do it and there was a nothing company making it. and this was back in 2000 and they didn't want me because they literally said I didn't have enough videos on the uh, video shelf and Jesus and I'll give it to Carnahan. I mean he said at the time, look, I'm gonna at least meet with uh, with Patrick. I don't know if he's gonna do it, but if you're not gonna let me meet then you know we're not making the movie. so I mean that those are the kind of difficulties that came from that. Now there would be some people that would stand up like that. But once again, um, I hadn't worked for three years before NARC because I, I did your Friends and Neighbors, which I had produced. So, I, but I also got to say, I've always looked at different points in my life is what is this project going to bring to me? What can I give at 22? What can I give at 35? What can, do I have something to say with this director, with this project? Because I really just looked at having a life honestly i never really tried to build a career and i think now maybe that bites you a little in the butt but i wanted to live life and these 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 stories that we'd ultimately act in for me anyway were going to be a part of that life so that's the way i approached it not what would be the next the next best move so you still he's so full of it
2: (laughs) (laughs) why is he full of it he was he was patient he'd find the right film to do He basically liked having lunch with me and hearing me go, man, I really wanted to do that film. Did you like making it? (laughs) And whether it was Belly of the Beast or Rush or, you know, uh, those were the jobs that everybody wanted. I mean, and, and you have to understand, you know, Robert De Niro, who was probably the actor that anyone in the early 80s kind of wanted to emulate, certainly in the kind of career and work they were doing, in in that situation you did maybe one film every three years that, you know, I remember telling my daughter when she started, I said, you want to have the perfect career, do two films, one in your twenties and then one in your (laughs) forties and then, and then be done, you know, and, and everybody will call you a real artist. Um, and it's the truth. And I think at a very early age, and as much as I believe there is an artistry to it, uh, This was how i was going to raise my kids and i had kids when i was really young yeah i was 19 and so i took a a left turn and jason went straight you know and and i think uh, you know i've always taken my hat off to jason uh because there was a credibility factor that he had that i don't think anybody uh you know or or you know the gary Olmans at that time did and the sean pans but it was that, that, was a, that was a tricky wire to walk. Um, so I always took my hat off to that, and I thought it was really courageous. This show is sponsored by
0: BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out, and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra. Uh, Between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services, it's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over five million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a
1: year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. And I like that. Stop
0: wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. I never really understand why, you know, you hear about, oh, well, what happened to that person or what happened? You mean, they're a great actor and they're available and they, you know, it's, you know, I've had these conversations with you where it's like you know, you were so selective and then you went off and I don't know, pretty much got your son back for <laughs> many years. Right. And there's that whole story, but it's not like you go anywhere. It's not like your talent escapes you, but it's gotta be frustrating sometimes when you're like not being considered for certain things. It's like, you know, what the fuck happened? What time, time happened.
3: Time, yeah. Time happens. Father, you know, father time undefeated. Well, it's
2: not so much that you're not being considered. People just think you're impossible to get. You know, so it's a, it's a double-edged sword, and it's it's uh, yeah. You know, but I think you have to look at the root of why the decision was made, and I I will always have huge respect for, you know, the films that Jason's made and the oh, choices yeah. that he's made, and and I'm not joking. <laughs> Every year we'd have a meal. Man, I really wanted that film. Congratulations. <laughs> what was what was it like to make that? You know,
0: I was just watching for uh, your friends and neighbors, and I that that scene in the shower, or it's like a five minute push in on jason's character and i'm just like it's one of the most powerful like even if you don't want to watch it or listen to it or you're doing tweeting and doing you're so drawn to it that i am just f- completely focused on that it was one of the most amazing monologues like i've ever seen it really it truly oh. was like i'm sure you're aware of that
3: no thank you thank you and uh, let, me, let me guess kiefer was two takes uh i wasn't there for that one. <laughs> i know i know i know Actually, uh, you know, one of the reasons I think it was so well written by Neil Labute. And I, as I said, I produced it and put it together and cast it. And I said to him, uh, everything was filmed on location, except obviously that we built that one uh, steam room. And I said, you got to build, I, I, I'd never wanted to tell him how to direct. I said, this has to be one take, build a long dolly and just come to me. And I'm not saying it for me. I'm saying for your language, you don't want to break away from it. And he wanted, in a way, to make the longest monologue in American film at the time. But as you know, the content of it is so <sighs> difficult to try to pull yeah. off because of where I couldn't goes. believe what I was hearing. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and once again, to go back to what you we were saying earlier, the degree of difficulty, like a dive, I love that. We rehearsed every scene. We did that movie like a, uh, like a play. We had three weeks of rehearsal, five days a week, culminated with a three-day retreat in a house we got in Arrowhead. Now, you could never do that with actors today to get me, Catherine Keener, uh, Ben Stiller, Nasaja Kinski, Aaron Eckhart, myself. And the thing was, if one doesn't show up, nobody shows up. And don't forget, there's no iPhones then. No one brings their kids. So when we started, we were ready. Ready to go. And the one scene that we never, ever rehearsed was that steam room scene. Mm -hmm. Jesus. By the way, I'm getting
0: uncomfortable because uh, I noticed Kiefer's been looking around at all these posters like, what the fuck's wrong with this guy? No, no, no. no. (laughs) Have you not, did you not notice one over your left shoulder? Uh,
2: yeah, I saw that as I sat down. No, always just take in one's environment.
0: How do you feel about that? How do you feel about actors getting
2: autographs from other actors? Um, people collect baseball cards, cars, you know. I mean, if for whatever reason, if, if it's something that that you dig, i <laughs> back You on don't it. do it. You, you don't have any autographs,
3: do you? Yeah, I signed for him before um, he got up here. Yeah, I got
2: Jason's autograph. <laughs> Hell yeah, he does. That's about it.
3: That's about
2: um, it. I think I'm looking around at the posters kind of remembering when they had posters. Yeah. I remember uh, when we were doing Young Guns, we, we were doing Young Guns 1, and the first thing we shot was the trailer. Is that true? Yeah. we you shot coming, the trailer yeah, the, shot for shot. The very first day, the trailer was us coming over the hill and all of us raising our weapons and firing into the camera, and then it went Young Guns, you know, February 1987 or whatever it was and we shot the trailer and then we went straight from that and we all shot the poster and i remember looking at lou diamond phillips and went i i hope no one fucking dies (laughs) and he went why and i said well because they won't be able to they put out the trailer saying you know we're doing stuff on horseback. <laughs> we're doing this, that, yeah, and the other. Yeah, there's no digital erasing. A lot of accidents can happen here. And if, some, if someone were not able to complete that film, the whole ad campaign is just shot to hell. So we started in a time when the poster and the trailer were as important as anything. Absolutely. And in, and in the case of Young Guns, in the, someone's executive's opinion, more important than the film. Which I thought was hysterical. Well, because there, were, and news- really there were newspapers. There's no newspapers. Yeah. No, newspapers,
3: yeah. when you got that big full-time ad, I remember with Lost Boys. Now look, it was a that's page. a classic poster, and that's all Joel. Yeah. Warner Brothers didn't know what to do with this movie. And the movie did good. It became huge on video, but that's all Joel. He put that whole thing together, and that wasn't a shot. He took pieces from things, uh, photo shoots, pieces from the film, and put together. He that did the together. poster. Oh, yeah. yeah that's wow. all Joel. That's all Joe. Everything they had sucked. Warner Brothers had no idea what they were doing. That's all him. But Keeper's right. There was also, there's a romance to uh, the old posters, as you know, because you have them here. And it's the same thing with the trailer. And we talked about this before. I mean, I think that we both find that we're lucky that we're been around uh, around long enough that we experienced when it was a big deal when a movie opened. Because there weren't a hundred of them and there was no streaming. And you knew from the trailer that this movie was coming out in a few months or whatever your favorite movie was, and premieres were real. So we had that last sort of wave of that Hollywood history, and also being part of films like Lost Boys that didn't have digital effects. And it makes a big difference. Yeah. Yeah.
2: If you, I mean, back in the day, if you had a premiere in Westwood, that was it. (laughs) There was a shot you were going to do pretty well.
3: And definitely get laid at least.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Without question. (laughs) Although I think I screwed that up too. Well, let's say almost definitely
0: for some of us. Look, you you both come from Hollywood royalty, and I've seen so many like documentaries and I've seen the true Hollywood story, whatever. You know, you've done all these interviews and stuff. But like growing up, like I grew up with a guy who was a manager at a pharmaceutical plant who worked Mm -hmm. his ass off. And, you know, I didn't see him all that often until he came home. And, you know, we have we had dysfunction in my family for sure like everybody else but i I couldn't imagine you know you know your your father late father jason miller was a pulitzer prize winner he he was the the priest everybody knows the priest and the exorcist which was like unbelievable performance in that he was a great actor and of course your father's donald sutherland Mm so it's like there's no fucking way that it's easy because your fathers are probably both out they're all doing their things they're having careers and like being a kid it's got to affect you as a kid there's no doubt uh not having them around all the time and so i mean but growing up a sutherland growing up uh uh, you know i I guess like a a miller at the time Yeah, at the the time i mean how how difficult was that and is it something that you know because i have stuff that happened from childhood and you let things go i'm an adult you know my father, I've talked about. He's never capable of saying, I love you. I'm proud of you. Good mm-hmm. job. I've never heard those words. Even just, still. Even still. You don't hear those words. You don't hear them. That's just not in his. But I've learned that that's just who, you know, he can't do that. That's not who he is. And I And I, and I forgive him. I love him. But as a kid, not hearing, you're really good or you're smart. I love you. Those are fucking difficult things not to hear. So I'm just wondering. Did you guys hear that stuff? Was that uh, the constant, or is it something you always were chasing, or was it hard growing up?
2: I had a great childhood. I mean, I honestly, have pretty awesome life, actually. Um, <laughs> you know, I didn't grow up with my dad. I grew up with my mom. Right. Uh, great theater actor. Uh, every night after school, have to go to the theater, do our homework, uh, wait till the play performance was over, and then we'd all go home. So. I was around the theater a great deal. That's where I started. That's where we ended. Um, You know, so, and as a kid, you just, what you get is what you know. So I didn't have any trauma or drama, you know. And yeah, my dad was, was working and and I think probably one of the most prolific, important careers in English language, you know, and I'm his son and I'm, Hugely proud of him. Uh, did we spend a lot of time together? No. Um, do I understand it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and we tried to make up for it as years went by. You know. Did that um, work out? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's our thing. Is our thing, and it's it is what it is. So you know. But I'm hugely proud of him. I'm, I'm, I think he's an incredibly smart, sometimes very very funny guy, um, and he's a brilliant, brilliant actor, and was really important uh i think to cinema and so it's what it is it also allowed me at a very early age to go i'm gonna do what i want you know because everybody else did so i found that to be really helpful
0: yeah i always felt like there was a little competition with my dad and i like there was always like you know when i was an actor and he's working his ass off and making a you know go to school and study and run a plant and i was like oh you're making all this money being an actor that's not fucking work Mm. i mean obviously he was an actor So you were both doing the same
2: thing, but did you ever feel like there was a competition? No, no, no. It was. I mean, it was interesting for me. Things timing timing worked out. My father had moved to France and decided to take a few years off. He has three younger sons uh, with a different mother or wife, and uh, so he took, you know, a sabbatical for really almost a decade. And that was right when we started doing Lost Boys and our and my film. So, and I've asked him, he didn't do it on purpose, but he left a window open for me that I thought was, you know, pretty cool. And so, and so yeah, so I, I never felt that. I just... Uh, I'm sure you've
0: had your moments. No,
2: I mean, I, I honestly, I'm thrilled when he's happy with the stuff that he's done. Uh... And I'm thrilled when things are going really well for him. Uh, And equally, I'm grateful for the opportunities I've had. And he commends
0: you. you, He'll call you after something. I love that. Yeah,
2: yeah. And you do the same. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Wow. How did it affect or did it affect how you raised your kids, you growing up with an absent father? Did it have a change?
2: Well, it's not so much. No, because I mean, I worked and uh, I made a point of, of kind of being in the same town as my daughter. I think the biggest change for me was I got divorced uh, from my daughter's mother uh, when my daughter was quite young. And I think I made a point of handling the divorce in a certain way that I didn't, that I didn't think either of my parents did that very well uh so i i made a point of really trying to do that well and Camille and i are still really close friends uh right. to this day we still have thanksgiving and christmas together uh, so i think we've done that about as well as as you can it's not something i'm recommending for anybody out there yeah. uh <laughs> try and avoid divorce That's right and uh you know i'm I love Camellia and, and always will. I and mean, this is why we got married uh, and we were lucky enough to be able to kind of take care of each other um, financially yeah. and in other ways, which is generally what makes people kind of go crazy.
0: It makes it easier on the kid though, it's, when your it, friends. It, I mean, it, no it, it certainly does. And,
2: and, and the, you know, the one person in the group that didn't get to make any of these choices is the poor child. So, Sarah, so right? yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and she's extraordinary. and Michelle. And, uh, so, you, yeah, so that was probably, you know, in looking back at, as a parent, looking back on my life, if there was one kind of moment that I tried to do differently, uh, it would be divorce. Hmm. You got to tell them the,
3: uh, your wedding story. And then I want to hear no, you no, about no, your, no. you have to you tell
2: them about your dad. No,
0: <laughs> Well, <laughs> what about the <laughs> wedding
2: story? You no, know. no, it's, it's uh, <laughs> I was very young uh we were all young <laughs> and, and jason was worried that that i wasn't making a very good choice and he had offered up his companionship and basically said you know if you start running right now i'll run with you and uh he
0: said this at the wedding
2: yeah well we were in the backyard and i so said no too. i'm I'm good man i'm good thank you though there was a big wall in the back
3: and there was lots of people there's a lot of drunk people and a lot of uh, people on other substances and we were just talking and I just in a wistful way looked at that wall and said to Kiefer, I said, You see that wall? We run to that wall, we climb that wall, we just keep running. And we just shared a little laugh about that. I laugh. <laughs> well, what about I you laugh. though, with your with your dad? I know, I mean you, I, it was different it was different than Kiefer's because my dad had a brilliant burst and then that was it. As Kiefer said, his dad had a much more sustained career and and was famous my dad i i never felt fame in my in in my family i mean we were very poor uh lived poor for a while um and my mother's father was a wealthy man but gave nothing Jackie Gleason Right
0: your your mother's father was Jackie
3: Gleason right
0: but you guys were poor
3: absolutely so jackie was Jackie Gleason at the time tipping doormen hundred dollar bills, but you know, meanwhile, you know, uh, hot dogs for Thanksgiving for his daughter and and her husband, yeah, and kids. Absolutely. What was is there a reason behind that? I don't know what the reason was. To honest, to be honest to God, I I met Gleason twice in my life, so um, I think there was probably an actor idea uh, that he didn't approve of, which is strange because he was and he came from great poverty, but. My dad wrote that championship season and then became a very big success, had never been in a movie and got hired in The Exorcist, which is a story for another day. It's a great story how he got that. So, you know, he went from cashing $3 checks at the bank to in a year and a half winning Appealed Surprise being nominated for an Oscar in the biggest movie of all time. And he's a kid ultimately, aside from his talent, from uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania, coal mine. And, uh, He couldn't handle it. So that was as great as it was, lifting us out of poverty and all this wondrous stuff. That was the end of dad because he was gone after that.
0: Well, what about, I got to, I'm thinking about Jackie now. Now that there's all this success, did Jackie come back into the
3: picture? Absolutely. He did. Oh yeah. And absolutely. Because they wanted to make movie versions of uh, that championship season. So Gleason then wanted to play the coach. And I think that's at the point that my dad said, go fuck yourself. Uh, which wow. he had every right to do. Um, look, it, it, there's a lot of crazy, you know, Shakespearean fear and vengeance and, and anger in our business. And I can't explain why, as a father, I can't explain why you wouldn't help your child. I, I, I don't know. But that was the case. Look, from my dad's standpoint, it made him, you know, delivering welfare checks and driving cabs and being a waiter, it made him um, uh, say, I have to be a success. And I think I told Kiefer this when we were doing the play, that he came home one day, we live in and Queens, and I was pushing my brother on a broken down playground in this building we lived in. He said he came up the, uh, uh, the subway stairs, he looked at us, and I was pushing my brother, and he said he started to cry, he said, I'm getting them out of here. And he went up in the elevator and he started writing that championship wow. season that day. Wow, and so you know, you 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 go with what you go with. And what was your relationship with him? Was
0: it pretty? I mean, pretty it was Oh def-
3: uh, no, definitely fraught because he was because he was gone. Um, had you know, major. Uh, we've talked about you know your dad. I don't know, but my, mine had major alcohol issues and drugs. And the truth is, when he had this amazing sort of comet ball of fame, and couldn't take it. We lived back East and he moved to California, you know, bought a Porsche, sort of lived his James Dean fantasies out and sort of sadly pissed away this amazing, amazing career that he had. Because at the time, championship season was the longest running Broadway show since Streetcar Named Desire. And he was, gives one of the penultimate performances in The Exorcist, a 70s performance. Movie doesn't work without him. So yeah, he can write his own parts in his own ticket. And he just got caught up in the typical uh, uh, Hollywood sort of downturn, the spiral. So from that, you know, as a young man, you look up to your father and you also need him to be there. But in a, some edible sort of way, when I decided to do what I wanted to do, I just cut that line, man, and wanted to become my own person. And uh, so I never talked about him or my grandfather or any of those things in the early days ever how was the relationship towards the end before he um passed did you kind of salvage things a little bit there was times where we were strange for a while but towards the end yes i mean because you just have to look at for them as you said this is who they are you know he's not going to
0: change them it's crazier for us to think that we're going to change our parents this is
3: all he could do i mean in 1938 you're born and then you if you want to have sex you marry someone right then you have kids you're not ready to do anything and then you all of a sudden follow your passions or your mistakes or your demons and so you have to see, you know, who they are. Look, doing the play all those years later not only re- reignited my uh, 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 relationship with Kiefer, which you know, who I love like a brother, but it also, in the court battle later on, because I did that play and I did it in New York, that's why I got uh, Gus back. So in some karmic way, for everything he did, if I didn't do that play at that moment. You know, and have my son visit me at at that moment. That piece of evidence that I used, I never would have wanted. And when to see you and
0: Kiefer did that championship season in two thousand eleven, yeah, yeah, did you, you? You said something about didn't you take some of his ashes?
3: I had his urn, for his, his urn. ashes, and I just put it on the stage, on on, the stage on, right. on, as part of the as part of the things. I figured I knew he would love this cast, and figured I might as well put him up there.
0: What was that experience like? I know it was short lived, but like, was it an amazing
2: experience? Oh, it That's wasn't that short. We did two. did a couple six, months, right? No, six, I mean, seven months. With rehearsals, oh, wow. we were
3: there at least five months. And oh, we, we months. played it. We played it out. We, it was the best experience I've, I've had because not only were are doing this play every night, I mean, I'd say to Kiefer, every night he'd be in the wings, but I started the play on on, on mm-hmm. stage alone. And he'd be sitting in this window. You know, he doesn't come on for 10 minutes ready to go. We'd do the same thing every time. We'd give a little fist bump and say, Time of our lives. And he'd say, Go kill it out uh, of my head so yeah. it's not wow it, when you asked before do you know when something is going to be magical yes we did and even if it wasn't we wanted to appreciate all that moment right
2: yeah it was a it was a definitely was not a short time and it was a but it was it was a an incredibly balanced cast and and everybody went for it <laughs> yeah. you know it was it was i miss the film industry, the, my experience in the 80s where, you know, you would go shoot a movie up in Oregon and the entire cast and crew would move into a hotel and you'd take over the bar and, and you just, it was, it was a very communal experience.
3: Much more fraternal. I would, I would and, wish-
2: and, and obviously that's changed. Um, but when we went to do the play, you know, there was never a night that the five of us weren't. Every night. Out together. and
0: Every night after every show. we were, we're finished.
2: We'd go grab something to eat, have a chat, visit, laugh about someone did this or that. And, and visit our was, various haunts. And it was great. That's great. Yeah, it was awesome.
1: Seeking the truth never gets old.
0: Look at you, and I'm like, when you were on Jack Bauer for 24, and the one thing I always look at because my fucking mind goes there, you know me. I'm like, God, how does he learn all those lines? How does he fucking work that much? The guy was always working. Why does he work <laughs> so much? Are you someone that just has to work? I've asked this question to other actors. I just,
2: I, I enjoy it. You really enjoy it. 24 was was an incredible experience. Uh, it was the closest thing I've had to a re- regular or real job. And 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 I've had actor friends of mine, you know, who were really nervous about doing television and and I spoke glowingly of it. And then they went and did it and hated it. You know, they hated the repetition. They hated. I uh, for whatever reason, uh, I, I didn't feel that way about that character. I didn't feel that way about the show. Um, you know, if you want what I ended up walking away from with that is is. You know, if, if you want to go to the Olympics and be a sprinter, you train, you know, and for me as an actor, to be able to work five days a week, 11 months a year, you're going to learn some shit. And I did. How do you train for that?
0: What, what do you do? What do you do to prepare for something? Well, like no, that?
2: Well, no, I mean, I mean, you train with the regular things that you would do as an actress. So, you know, after, after a certain amount of time, you start to realize your ability to absorb dialogue. Uh, so that is yeah. exponentially improved. You you realize uh, that your ability to walk onto a set and figure out how to block a scene exponentially improves because you're doing it every day. And when we started, we were doing, you know, sometimes a film a year, which is just a few months. So it, it taught me a lot, and I loved doing it. Uh, is it for everybody? Oh, my God, no, because the people that I told them – you know you'll love it do it <laughs> they fucking hate me <laughs> they, they didn't like it and uh you know it's not for everybody uh but i do i have always liked working uh you know you guys talked about gene hackman is my favorite actor yeah i've uh, never met him i've never worked with him very jealous of that <laughs> um you know he would do eight films in oh, a yeah. year you know, whereas Robert De Niro would do one and a half movies every three well, years. De-
3: but De Niro would do that in the first 15 years. Yeah. You know, now you will see him. Now right? he does eight movies yeah, a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But Gene Hackman literally did. I remember the closest I ever felt to Gene Hackman was one year I did more movies than he did. <laughs> yeah. You threw
3: yourself a party.
2: Yeah. Eight I did. movies in a year. He did, yeah, Gene Hackman. Well, the,
0: uh, obviously, if he's done that many movies, there's probably a lot of Gene Hackman movies. I always assumed everything he was in was great. Oh no, no, no. Well,
2: and, and, but these <laughs> these were one of them was the package. There there were some great films. In but look, that. he
3: had I think three ex wives, which is one of the reasons he's doing a lot of movies. <laughs> that could be part. But he of was
2: it. also in you know Invasion of the Killer Bees. But he was fucking great in it. Not a good movie, but he was great. Like the thing I've always admired about you know Gene Hackman in The Poseidon Adventure, Oof. the guy does not have a false moment. No, the no. film might not be great, but boy, he's just—I've never seen anybody that watchable and that I can agree. that can take me from point A to point B easier. Uh, I just—he's uh, a marvel and the most believable temper. Yeah, when he loses
0: his shit, what was that postcards from the edge? You go home and you get your shit together.
3: Yeah. And he yeah, just yeah. loses his mind yeah. for a second. I'm yeah. just like, whoa. He, he can go zero to 70. better. Yeah, than that's
0: it. explosive. And I, I don't, you don't see that very often. Somebody that could just go yeah. the fuck up. Yeah. And just
2: snap like that. I, I really. I mean, you take a look at even the performance that he gave in uh, Bonnie and Clyde, which was so nuanced. I, I mean, he's kind of playing the, the hick, dumb hick in the back of the car. And, yeah. and kind of bemused by words and what he doesn't understand. It's just the delicacy uh, that, because he's a brutish kind of guy, the delicacy with which he can do some of that work is really. I also like guys,
3: I mean, as Keeper said, and brood- you know, he was a Marine, and guys like that that come from something so totally different. I mean, we both understood somewhat what theater was, what acting was. Doesn't mean we'd have to find our own ways, but it wasn't a foreign concept. I just love the idea how some big galoot who's a Marine and then somehow stumbles into the business and brings that. But it was also one of the the qualities of those great 70s films that a guy like Gene Hackman, who looks like Gene Hackman, a guy like Elliot Gould, a guy like Donald Sutherland, a guy like Al Pacino could be major worldwide movie stars and very hard to believe that that could happen today.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, the two biggest stars in the world at that time were Robert Redford and Paul Newman. So when you think of someone like my dad, I always thought he was the bravest man in the world because at that time to go, yeah, I'm going to go become an actor and kill it. You know, yeah. really? You don't look like Robert Redford and Paul Newman, you know? And um, and neither did Gene Hackman, Elliot Gould, Robert Duvall. Or Pacino, uh, or Hoffman. Yeah, so
0: it, it's... Because it's uh, cause it just acting was all that mattered. You had the chops.
2: Yes, that's
3: what mattered then. And that's also that mystery, which I, Kiefer was alluding to, of doing a film every year or so and disappearing, and then coming back into that character. That definitely influenced me. those early choices of mine
2: without question well and it was a big difference i mean certainly i can reference my father's work uh if you wanted to go see donald sutherland in a in a movie you had to go to the movie theater there was no option to watch it at home and so there was a big separation between film and television uh hbo the movie channels back in the 80s that started to blur the line uh and then the internet just debu- you know but it was even it.
3: more than that it wasn't just if you wanted to see a donald sutherland movie if you wanted to see donald sutherland's face
2: mm-hmm. you had to go to a movie theater
3: right. Yeah. same thing with the De Niro. what does he look like who knows let's go see yeah. and i always thought that why it was so powerful is when you did show up You got to learn about them through that, not this mindless crap that everybody has to do. I got to see, and I've seen De Niro and Letterman with Hoffman and those people. It's completely boring to me. It's not interesting, Um, and they're uncomfortable. Uh, but to see Mr. Them De Niro I'd like a
2: movie. to just point out that Jason said that not <laughs> yeah, me that's fine. I, I, knew that I was thought your stuff was extraordinary <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Kiefer loved you on Letterman
3: um, I did yeah uh no it's not interesting to me and it's not just him other actors I, I'm much it, it's much more interesting to me and I'm much more involved watching them and what they do as opposed to satisfying and these days satisfying all this mindless platform junk. Um, to me it what it waters down the power of 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 everybody's gift
2: and you can make the musical reference of you know david bowie was the perfect example of what you're describing is david bowie didn't even stay in the same kind of genre musically aesthetically uh so you never really knew who he was and and the mystery of who he was was as exciting as the product that he was making right Um, what was that album cover gonna be and that is that is that's true that is that has changed. The
0: mystery is gone is what you're saying, Jason?
3: What well, absolutely is. I mean, Bowie's a good example, but the other, but there are actors who are similar is that the trends that were created was coming from whatever their artistic expression was where they were in their life. Now it's the opposite. Whatever the zeitgeist is, you are supposed to fold into so you can get as many eyes as you can. And it's gone the opposite way. Now, you know, uh, and that's, difficult. And look, I have a big problem with uh, you know social media. First of all, it's a misnomer. It's antisocial. There's nothing social about it. You're not socializing. But the problem is that people are appropriating other people's lives by what is popular and living in someone else's virtual now. And I think it's very hard for kids. That's why you have all these studies now that talk about the, the suicide and depression rate of people mm. doing all that. And, you know, we're actors and that's the way things get, get seen now. So you have to sort of, I guess, find a way to, to, to meld into it. I haven't been good, been good with it. But, you know,
0: also if you're a guy like Kiefer or certain actors, they don't even need to do social media. It's not going to affect their career, their careers. You know what I mean? I mean, you're lucky in that, that regard, but for like someone like me it or doesn't someone. doesn't
2: affect Jason's either. I mean. Well, Jason doesn't uh, do any
0: social, do you? No.
3: Yeah, so it clearly has
1: <laughs>
3: more than
0: anybody's. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's a tough one. It's like you, I, I hate it. I hate always feeling compelled to do it, but you got to get your face no. You're, out there. You gotta you're get showing
3: your- what you do, and you're not melding. By the way, Kiefer's Instagram or whatever his show is mainly about his music, which exactly. is amazing. So it's not yeah. hey, here's my donut and here's my puffy pout. This is what I'm. This is what I'm about. And I think that you do a, a really sort of classy uh uh very sort of well, underhand way Absolutely. compared to everyone else
2: now you know man well, but you
3: have something to talk about with that and is the music
2: you well know, and the main the main benefit for me uh with social media look i've been incredibly fortunate and other people have backed me up on that and, and so you know To be able to have a moment where you get to thank an audience that that's true collectively enjoyed something that you did man i'll take that any day of the week um but but i agree with jason that that it is it's unfortunate uh you know when you get to the bullying and you get and you see how young people think that like the number of young people that i've seen said well the whole world knows you know what i look like naked because someone posted this picture i'm like well the whole world's not looking you know i think we had to remind ourselves back in the day that if if a review was bad you know it was wrapping fish the next day and it was you know and you know we need to kind of dial back the whole this idea that the whole world is interested in anything any of us really do and just kind of take a deep breath and go ah cool but
3: but It is true that if you make a mistake in youth or even have an opinion that at the time is not where the wave of opinion is going, that is there forever. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to get into the cancel culture, but that is another thing that, and I think that's the problem of appropriating other people's behavior and living things. You're not able to just feel who you are Mm -hmm. and, and be able to speak and make those mistakes or more importantly, have your opinions change? Yeah, right? that's your opinions change. Yeah, we grow, we evolve.
0: That's I think the you idea. said some things maybe in the nineties, maybe you didn't mean it. Mm-hmm. We say shit all the time, so we, you definitely have to watch your mouth. People get fired immediately for certain things, and it's you know what's good though is that you were just talking about like for someone like Kiefer who doesn't really use social media except to talk about like you know let people know about the band. Right, you love your music; it's probably your first passion. It sounds like it. I mean, no.
2: I love them both. I love storytelling. And so whichever kind of medium you want to use to do that storytelling, you know, uh, we did that championship season. We told Jason's dad's story. Yeah. Uh, Write a song about a moment or a thought. I love to do that. And then to go do a film or do a show like 24. uh, It's all storytelling to me. And it's just different ways you can present that.
0: What I love is the fact that, there's a lot of actors i have a band called sunspin you know and i love them i love the album that just came out we really busted our ass but you of course people look at you go oh actor trying to be a musician oh keeper southern's good but then i'm like wait a minute these guys are fucking on tour 200 fucking cities across the country Mm -hmm. he's got all these albums and i started listening to it and i was like wow not putting my band down but i was really impressed thank you you know and one
2: song that really
0: touched me was not from this album because reckless in me is the new album right?
2: It is, or did a, another record in the pandemic, but won't come out for another few months, yeah.
0: Sweet. But uh, I love that song from Down in a Hole, the album Down in a Hole called My Best Friend. Yeah, yeah. Because I just, you know, I, I just, I felt it, man. I think, we've all been,
2: <laughs> I think we've all been there, where yeah, you kind of wake up one day and go, wow, I'm the one hurting myself, you know? Find yeah. a way
0: to make me my best friend yeah. was just like that lyric. You know, Great line. Thank you very much. Thank Great you. line. Thank yeah, you. because I always think like you know people so many times on this podcast or they're like, dude, be better to yourself. Don't you're not mm-hmm. dumb. Mm-hmm. You're not. You know they're all. And sometimes my perception of myself, and then I listen to that song, and it just was exactly yeah. like it's like love yourself, dude. Well, fucking just love your fucking well, self.
2: And I I don't know a human being on the planet that hasn't needed to be told that once, you know, uh, or reminded. Uh, you know, it's look. It's been it's been an interesting time. The thing that made uh, kind of caught my ear when you said, you know, an actor trying to be a musician. I'm not trying to be anything. I can play, I can write exactly. So I'm not trying to be anything. You either like it or you don't like it, but I'm not trying to be anything, um, and and I'm not doing it. Uh, and there is a big difference. This is not how I'm putting food on my kids' table. This is not how I'm making sure that they're all right. Uh, I get to do it how I want it, the way I want it. Um, and again, uh, the first tour we ever played, I was happy anybody showed up. Literally, if 10 people showed up, I was thrilled. Yeah. Uh, the fact that more people did, I was grateful for that. Um, do I understand why 50,000 didn't show up? Oh, my God, yes. You know, I mean, it's no big deal. Uh, you know, so it's it's, again, I think, especially at this stage in my life, when you start to realize you got more years behind you than you do in front, do it because you want to do it, you know, if you're lucky enough to be in that place uh, then do it Can I play one hair of the song? Sure
3: Is that you playing? Mm -hmm.
2: Most of the people that I've known that let me down or cause me pain Most of the people that have known me too probably say the same I don't know when it got so bad or how it all went off track All I know is I can't waste more time No more looking back So goodbye It's time to start again, I'll find a way, yeah, I'll find a way to make me my best friend.
0: Come on! That is song writing. That is
3: pen to paper, folks. Well, thank you very much. really, you. really I good. really,
0: really love it. I really thank love you. it. Touched touch the soul. It really did.
3: You got to see him in concert because I can't he's got wait. a really tight band and it's a really good show. Please, let's go. You got to see his dancing moves. Yeah.
0: I've seen, I, you know, I looked, I was watching <laughs> some concerts online. I was watching, one time you were telling a story on stage about how you uh, wrote a song for your mom. Mm. And then you told her about her. And then she looked at you like she was upset. Yeah.
2: Because. Well, I wrote about her passing because she had had a really bad stroke and uh and then of course the plane landed and she had my sister had said she wasn't going to make it and so I flew home and and she did make it and then I had this song for a long time it was called Saskatchewan uh and I said look I I want to play this for you so you know what I'm going to be going through because I thought you were going to pass away and I wrote this and I and I just thought maybe I'd play it for you so you know how much I'm gonna miss you. And I played her this song. And uh, she she looked upset and I started thinking, Oh my god, what have I done? This is the dumbest thing. Why would you do that? Why would you play her this song? And I start to apologize. And she says, No, no, sweetheart. You know I don't want to be buried in Saskatchewan, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yes, I know. It's a, it's a metaphor that that's where you're from, and she says, oh, then I love it. <laughs> so
0: that's amazing. And
2: my mom has since passed, so yeah, if she can hear sorry. me now, I miss you. And uh, and she was she was funny like that. And that's Kiefer
3: awesome. did put you in Saskatchewan. I'm sorry.
0: No, I did not. <laughs> no, he didn't. Hey, really quick, this is called Rapid Fire. This is just uh, patrons, my fellow patrons, just ask questions. You can do it really fast. There it is. Jason, have you found a new guilty pleasure during the pandemic? If so, what is it?
2: Uh, pickleball. Keeper? Have I found a guilty pleasure? Yeah. Oh, pickleball. Good. Cooking. Cooking. Cooking.
0: Uh, Leanne P., what character have you portrayed do you
3: relate the most to? I, I, for me, it would be Jack Bauer. <laughs> I jack just, bauer as well be
0: jack bauer yeah come was, on is that true who there's got to be a character I, that you, i really could no you I, couldn't I, tell it no all right uh lisa h for Kiefer. so many great roles in films but one of my faves was flashback what was it like working with dennis hopper dennis
2: hopper's amazing um <laughs> i'll tell you a very quick funny story about dennis please uh we we're coming back from work one day and and i had only known him for about two or three days and he was getting married or he just got married and and i had just gotten married too but i was 19 and he was closer to 60 and and i was in the truck with him and i said you know i think it's so cool that you waited to get married till you absolutely knew you were with the right person and he looked at me and he said are you an idiot when <laughs> i said what no why and he said it's my fourth marriage, you moron. <laughs> <laughs> I literally was so naive that I thought that he had waited until he was 50 something years old oh, to get Martin married because he was holding on for the right one. Uh, I-, I love Dennis after that.
0: Are you Canadian, you. Yeah. Michelle K says Did you keep any souvenirs from Lost Boys, either
3: of you? I kept the leather jacket and the sunglasses and then gave them both away.
2: I think I kept the jacket for a while and I don't know where it is now.
0: Well, you know somebody who would like it. Huh.
2: Maisha. Maisha, is there an
0: artist Kiefer you'd love to jam with? And also Going Home is my favorite song by
2: y'all. Oh, that's very very sweet. Um Oh my god, the list of people that I would like to play with is is just is ridiculous. Um, you know, again, the aspect of music that I I like the storytelling. Uh I'm not the greatest guitar player. I'm certainly not the greatest singer. Um but I, I've loved the storytelling. So there's so many different players uh, that, that I would love to play with. Um, one of my favorite storytellers, though, uh, just from a very early age was David Bowie. I think I would have loved to have been able to visit with him for some time just to talk to him about songwriting and, and, and get a sense of how he visualized so much of the stuff he did. Yeah, that would
0: have been awesome meeting Bowie
2: back in the day.
0: Uh, Cynthia, I remember watching the movie Rush, Jason, you and Jennifer Jason Lee were extraordinary. What was the way you approached this role and how emotionally intense was it to portray that character?
3: Um, yeah, it was rough because, I, um, it's so totally different than me that, that type of character and someone in that deep, deep, especially how old I was 24. So at that, and someone who had lived that kind of life and that kind of desperate addiction, so, uh, as I said before, instead of going on doing a bunch of drugs and hoping to get filmed that way, I feel you have to find those places in yourself that are that desperate and that dark. And I didn't have the technique at time to find it and do it. So for that four months, I stayed in that type place, and it was pretty heavy. It's pretty heavy, man. Kiefer, will
0: we see Jack Bauer again? Or are you done with twenty four?
2: I have learned to never say no. Uh, when we finished, <laughs> when we finished season eight. I said we were done, and then we went and made season nine. Look, there should be no mistake here. I absolutely love the character, and I loved making Twenty Four. Uh, with television, the burden is on the writers, uh, and if those writers, Howard Gordon, were to come up with uh, a great idea, I would always be open. To You'd it shave s- your beard for it? Oh my gosh, yes.
3: He shaves balls for
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly
0: S would love to hear you say "Damn it, Chloe!" one last time.
2: Damn it, Chloe.
0: He did it. (laughs) He fucking did it. All right. Now, look, this comes to the end of the whole interview, but there's one question is Elephant in the Room. I gotta ask. Has anyone ever asked? I'm sure. When you were gonna get married to Julia Roberts, Mm -hmm. I know this is old fucking hat. This is 30 years old. 30 plus. 30 years old. So who gives a shit at this point? Right? Mm -hmm. It's been that long. I mean, you were kids. Then supposedly you had a thing with Julia Roberts. You took off to somewhere. Where'd you go?
3: Well, I mean, that was all. That was all the the, the press. I mean, the fact was, from my state, Ireland, yeah, I went to Ireland. Ireland, uh,
0: uh, yeah. I was just gonna say, have you guys ever talked about it?
3: Was it yeah. always the other?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we talked, sure. yeah,
3: sure, yeah. Well, because the... go ahead, go ahead, Jason. No, we talked about. We hadn't seen each other. Um, we hadn't seen each other for <laughs> over twenty years, and then we contacted. I don't know each if it was that
2: long, but yeah, sure it was, man. Yeah.
3: yeah, we probably. I think we hooked up again in two thousand nine or two thousand ten. And I hadn't seen and nine, yeah, over it twenty. Before years.
1: Before
2: that. Uh-uh. Well. So anyway, long time. But yes, we had talked about it.
3: Look, the thing is, is that she's not here, so right in this room. So I'd feel strange talking about what she told me or what she told Kiefer because she could speak for herself. Right. But the large stuff about the press and being invited to the wedding and then taking off at the bride and all that that's all bullshit, that's all bullshit you know i mean I, I don't Kiefer's specific relationship and what they were at the time that's theirs i mean he can speak but ultimately
0: it. there was a thing in uh rolling stone and kiefer said something and then you called kiefer right
2: well i was making a joke about the country song and someone had asked me a question about jason i said well i mean you know I lost my pickup and my dog and my best friend, and I miss my best friend. You know, <laughs> and so look, the press can make whatever it does, and and that was a difficult time for me, and and I think it was an uncomfortable time for both of them. Um, but look, honestly, the truth where I'm coming from, you fall in love, you fall in love. There's nothing you can do about that, and and she's an extraordinary person, and he is too, and. And, you know, timing is what it is, and, you know, everybody moves on from that.
0: Well, the maturity, though, because, I mean, most people could never, you know, get over something like that, or they would hold grudges or whatever, but
3: you guys had a bond, I guess. I don't know.
2: I mean... George Harrison and Eric Clark Clapton, Clapton were best friends till the bitter end, you know? But
3: it wasn't, it, it you know, it, it wasn't
2: to... And I, it wasn't I, that, I, by no. the way. Right, so right, right. I think you're, if they could deal with what they dealt with, we could certainly think, look, deal when with it.
3: Look, when I saw him again, whenever that was, 12 years ago or whatever, sort of, it was a few words of this and that. It was more of a laugh and a toast. Mm-hmm. And I've said in the press before, they've both been subsequently married since. A couple times i think they're both very happy in their lives mm-hmm. and what lasted after all that is me and Kiefer is yeah. you know 35 year buddies
2: never got the truck back
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so keith when are you guys playing again with all this Gosh, pandemic we've stuff we've got either? a
2: tour in europe in october and hopefully we'll be able to play here in the states come july
0: and where can they go to get some information? Your your uh, Instagram? As soon as
2: we have it, uh, we'll put it up on Instagram, and then it'll also go through Ticketmaster. And then your Instagram's
0: right. at Kiefer Sutherland. I hope so. I think that's what it is. Cool. All right, that sounds good. We're going to go. But is, are you going to play anywhere in the States before you go, like, a little show here or two? Ho-
2: hopefully uh, in in July. And then, you know, as stuff as stuff is opening up, and I and I think it needs to go slowly, and I think people need to be smart about yeah. this, Um. But uh, there's a couple uh, opportunities that might come around in June where I'll just go out and do kind of solo shows with a guitar and and stuff like that, and uh, so I'm excited about that.
3: It's definitely worth it, you guys. You yeah, oh, if you ever need like the
0: look. opener, and then then there's a second band and a third band, then you you need the one first guy to go, second guy. Gus and I, your son, Jason, we can go, you know, get on stage. Well,
2: Gus is a much better guitar player than, <laughs> than anybody. <laughs> well, Gus
0: is awesome. The man. kid's unbelievable. Yeah, he's special. He's special. Yeah, Gus, we love you, man. You're an in, incredible buddy. That he is. He Did, loves Kiefer. This has been, uh, by the way, congratulations on quitting smoking. How long have you quit? Oh, seven months. Dude, seven months. That's
2: how hard is it? Is it still hard? I miss it. You know, uh, I'm glad I'm not smoking. How much um, were you
0: smoking?
3: I was a pack a day. Oh, stop! You pack a day before noon. I've been <laughs> trying to get him to stop smoking
2: since '86 without Look, question. I really liked it, you know. I really did. Uh, I did it for a reason, <laughs> you know. And uh, I'm really and proud. I, of honestly, proud. I, I, don't, I don't feel much better for it. Bullshit. But everybody around me uh, feels better. feels a lot better <laughs> for it. So how about this? So well, so, you, you
0: probably smell better. Your clothes smell better. Yeah. Your... You do not really care about you that You smell really
3: good
2: today.
0: Man. Yeah, really. Uh, was I that, don't know. Is that Dracar? Right. What is That's that? Car. It's one of those little <laughs> Dracar, fresheners.
2: But, no, Dracar. But, but to, oh, to Dracar. Remember Dracar? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I
3: thought it was Dracar. I thought you said his car. and they It was smelled like of the, your car. The air freshener. They smell good. What no. are you talking about?
2: But to all those folks out there that have quit smoking and to people that are considering quitting smoking, I mean, uh, it's hard. And I never thought I would quit. Uh, i was i was i had taken the long term plan uh but it is possible and do you feel
0: better right now than you did when you're smoking
2: i felt pretty good when i was smoking um you know and i ran and i did a lot of stuff but yes i feel better
3: you said your voice is better you can do yeah it there's a lot of
2: there's there are there are significant benefits including life <laughs> yeah. including including life yeah no yeah. and and the truth is you know it's it's made such a difference uh to people who are around me and and for that i feel really bad that for (laughs) for 40 years that plus yeah yeah plus but honestly if you're out there and you're considering smoking and it just seems like an impossible barrier it's not
3: Yes. I mean, if you did it, if by for someone to stop smoking. anyway. That's what you says, said. That's what you without said. Question.
0: By the way, I read an article that Jackie Gleason, your grandfather, smoked six packs of cigarettes a day.
3: Wow. At least four without question. Just yeah. light, light the last one uh, with the new with one. A, with the next. Yeah. Light like the last one with the next. Well, yeah.
0: guys, I hope I didn't keep you too long. This has been really you awesome. You brother. This you has rock. been, yeah, this has been really fun. Thanks for, yeah, for coming in. And you're the first guest I've had in over a year because I've had to do Zooms so hell yes awesome. and, and and thanks thanks again for coming over i really sure. appreciate you taking your time thank jay we'll do you next time so we can talk we have so much more to talk about all right inside of you inside Michael of you Rosenblatt. thank you for allowing me to be inside of you kiefer today <laughs> i really enjoyed the conversation between these two and when i brought up uh julia roberts at the end mm-hmm. i saw kiefer kind of giving me that look a little bit and but he was so sweet about it and jason and uh you know he gave that little wink when i'm like well so who went to ireland uh where where did you go with julie Mm -hmm. and kiefer goes ireland they went to (laughs) ireland uh but you could tell these guys have been friends for a long time and you know it's great that they could still be friends after all these years and some of the you know bullshit you know you know hollywood always um amps everything up like i'm sure there was a there's a lot of reasons behind why you know the wedding didn't happen and you know and then how uh, Jason got involved with Julia and it just gets blown out of proportion and you got to choose who you're going to believe. And the fact that they're friends and their friendship has stood the, uh, stood the test of time is, is it shows a lot. It mm-hmm. tells a lot about these guys they are mature. And um, so I really enjoyed having them on here. It was weird because I haven't had someone in the studio for over a year. So I was a little nervous and I was just like sitting across from these guys going, okay, we're talking, we're talking. And uh, it went well, it went well. So it was so weird. Once again, if you want any Sunspin merch, uh, go to sunspin.com. You can book the band. You can book us. You can also book a Zoom uh, and Zoom us. Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. Great merch. You also get any inside of you uh, merch and Lex Luthor stuff, Smallville stuff, on the inside of you online store. Use the code Ryan's Discount 15. Ryan's Discount.
1: Never what I think you're going to say.
0: Fifteen. Ryan's Discount 15. Shout out to uh, all my patrons, all the patron love. And thanks to everybody for listening to the the podcast every week and staying with it. I mean, there's so many choices and you choose to stay with this. So I hope you continue to stay and support the podcast. And, you know, I try to get the best guests on that I can. And uh, more importantly, have just good conversations with people. And to the point where I hope you learn something at the end of each episode. That's I learn a lot from listening to people and. I, with my add it's good to put these cans on and, and just be able to focus for an hour and hopefully uh you're enjoying it too
1: i learned that i'm taller than jack bauer that was exciting oh
0: yeah you are taller but you're a tall guy <laughs> all right here's a shout out to all the lovely patrons who make this show possible and thank you uh to bryce and thank you for ryan all mm-hmm. right i thank thank you i thank you for ryan here we go nancy d mary b leah S. Trisha F. Sarah V. Little Lisa U. Kiku Kiko Jill E. Brian H. Lauren G. Nico P. Robin S. Jerry W. Robert B. Jason W. Apothean Kristen K. Amelia O. Allison L. Jess J. Lucas M. Raj C. Joshua D. Emily S. CJP Samantha M. Jennifer N. Jackie P. Stacy L. Carly H. Carly S. Jen S. Jamal F. Janelle B. Carrie B. Tab of the two seventy two, not to be confused with Tab of the two seventy three. Ashley Ryan, Kimberly E, Mike E, Marissa Nanirello, El Don Supremo, Ramira, Beth B, Santiago M, Sarah F, Chad W, Leanne P, Ray A, Maya P, Maisha, Maddie Kendrick F, Ashley E, Shannon D, Matt W, Belinda N, Kevin V, James R, Chris H, Osborne. Osborne H. Osborne, I'm trying to send you something. Give us your right address. It got sent back to me. I need your right address, Osborne. Was it, Is it just the Fjords? I I don't know what the hell happened, but I sent him a box and it just got sent back. Where where was I? God sick. Damn it. Dave H, Samantha S, Spider-Man, Chase, Sheila, G Ray, H Tabitha, T. Misha, N, H, whatever. Tom. N. Suzanne. B. Yes! You're <laughs> guessing, and you're right. Katie F, Liliana A, Michelle K, Hannah. Hi, Michelle. Hi, Hannah B. Uh Michael S uh talia m luke h andrew t betsy d and the less is the last list claire m liz j laura l Chad l rochelle e or or rachel e whichever you want it's rochelle nathan e brandle uh taylor k neil a marion e meg k janelle p trav l dan n jennifer j wayne m diane r Ojeda, lorraine g olga c Corey m carrie h veronica k big stevie w Kendall T, Lindsay M, Carol D, Katie G, Sandy B, Angel M, Eric P, Rhiannon C, Stephen M, Corey K, Super Sam, and Sherry S. Thank you guys all for being here, for being a patron, for supporting the podcast in so many extra ways. I love you. Um, and I got to be doing probably in the next month, I have to be doing a little uh, Zoom with all you guys. I could Zoom, a Zoom, Zoom and the boom, boom. <laughs> Thank you from uh, Ryan here. Uh, and myself, Michael, in the Hollywood Hills.
1: Hollywood, California.
0: Hollywood, California. Wave at the camera, Ryan. We uh, we love you. Thank you for allowing me to be inside each and every one of you. And uh, you mean a lot to me. So be good to yourself, and I'll see you next week. All right.